Remus wandered out to the well-tended garden of Lupin Lodge, clutching a letter in his hand. The letter, which had apparently arrived with the morning paper, bore the familiar Hogwarts crest at the top. It was amazingly still outside. Although it was nearly eight o'clock in the evening, the day was still bright and warm. He preferred the summer, when the days were long and the nights short. His transformation the night before had been relatively painless. Nothing could stop the feeling of intense loneliness that he felt every time the wolf arrived each month, but the wolf's bane potion and the end of the war made it seem a bit more bearable after it was finished. He had apparated around midday, fallen into bed, slept late, and, as far as he could tell, no one had really paid any attention to this. He was glad, because he didn't want the teenagers to spend their relaxing summer worrying about him. Sitting down on a stone surrounded by some rather tall, purple, jungle-like plants, he stretched out his legs and read the letter for the twelfth time. Dear Remus, I am writing in the hope that you will consider doing a favor for a former professor and old friend. As you are well aware, we are trying to rebuild Hogwarts in time for it to reopen next year. It is common knowledge that you were considered one of the best Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers that Hogwarts has seen. I know your feelings on returning to this position, and I will not offer it to you again. I would, however, like to ask you to consider returning to Hogwarts as the professor in charge of teaching care of magical creatures. The appointment would not begin until the next school year. Being a magical creature yourself, I find you ideally suited for the job. Please consider the offer. Warmest regards, M. McGonagall, Headmistress. Remus folded the letter again and watched, amused, as a clapper-claw beetle crawled along one of the leaves of the plant that surrounded him. Professor McGonagall was correct in assuming that he'd prefer that post to any other. It was also true that, despite Remus's role in defeating Voldemort, and the new respect that this commanded from people formerly afraid of him as a werewolf, Remus had received no significant job offers since the war. He knew that Arthur would work on repealing the ministry restrictions on employing werewolves when he had the time, but Remus wasn't sure that ministry work would suit him. Right now he was getting by on his savings and the rent that Sirius insisted on paying him. Remus liked to work. Throughout his life it had been such a struggle to find employment of any kind that when he did, it always seemed like a special gift. It was hard, though, to plan for the future, when the house was so nice right now, with Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Ginny filling it up. And Sirius... Sirius. Remus squinted up into the sky, where light from the sun was shining brightly as it slowly began to set behind some clouds. Sirius should be home by now. Remus would talk it over with him. He also needed to talk to Sirius about his rigorous work schedule, a conversation that he really wasn't looking forward to. He rose, dusted off his robes, and headed back into the house. He saw an orange creature slinking in through the kitchen entrance and knew that Sirius must be home. Crookshanks and Sirius shared a special bond, and the cat almost always managed to be at home when Sirius arrived from work. When he opened the door, he saw Sirius sitting at the kitchen table, elbows on the table, and head clenched in his hands. Sirius? 
Remus asked tentatively, closing the kitchen door behind him. Sirius didn't look up, but put one of his hands down on the table and continued to stare downwards. Sirius, what's wrong? Remus pressed again, moving to sit across from his friend. I'm just tired, he finally answered, stretching his other arm out in front of him and fiddling with the vase of flowers in the center of the table. Hard day at work? Remus asked, feeling that he knew all too well that Sirius was not going to talk to him about this. To his surprise, Sirius sighed and answered simply, Yes. What happened? Sirius put his head down on the table and grabbed it with his hands, then finally lifted it and said, It's just... the stunning. I'm not sure that it's right. But we can't think of any other way to keep them all in Culperot until the trials. But Sirius, Remus said rationally, people can be stunned for weeks, months even, without any serious effects. And I'm sure that the trials will all be done within the year. Moody was stunned daily for ten months. Sirius snorted. I wouldn't exactly say that it didn't affect Moody. He was like that before. Yes, but... Sirius stopped as Crookshanks leapt onto his lap and began to purr. Sirius stroked the cat's orange fur absent-mindedly. After a moment, Sirius continued. It's immoral to stun innocent people like that. But you don't know if they're innocent or not. It's part of our legal system. Guilty until proven innocent? Sirius. Remus hoped that his voice sounded soothing. There's been a war. These are supposed war criminals, not petty thieves or people who have been accused of turning their tea kettle into a frog. There's a danger of dark magic being used, and stunning really is the best short-term solution. Would you prefer to have the Dementors guarding the place? No, admitted Sirius truthfully, but we could set up charms to keep them in. Muggles don't stun their prisoners, do they? They put them behind bars. We could do the same, and then place wards all around Culperot to keep them in. Sirius, I agree with you in theory, but I really don't see how that will work. Think about it. Think about how you escaped from Azkaban. Yes, but I was innocent. That's exactly my point. Sirius stood up quickly, and Crookshanks fell to the ground with a thud. Remus flinched. He had spent years trying to remain calm in the face of confrontation. He replied in a steely voice, Yes, you were innocent, but you were never given a trial. These people may or may not be innocent, and you are being kind to them by stunning them until they can defend themselves, rather than locking them away in Azkaban without any defense. Don't you see? More quietly, he continued, Sirius, you are doing exactly what you need to be doing, and it's the right way. No one will ever accuse you of being a hypocrite. Sirius was now standing and staring out of the window into the garden. Remus stared at his tall, tense form and thought for the thousandth time about the unfairness of what his friend had suffered, of how he himself had suffered. It was quiet for a few minutes. Sirius broke the silence with a small laugh, ran his fingers through his cropped hair, and turned to Remus. Well, never mind about all that. You're right, of course. Now, tell me. He walked back over to the table to sit down. How is your latest transformation? I've been so busy I didn't ask. You still look a bit tired. You hadn't come back by the time I had to leave this morning. 
Remus shrugged. I go through it every month, he gave a dry laugh, feeling himself choke up a bit, for some reason. With the wolfsbane potion, it's really nothing. I just sleep. The transformation itself is still difficult, but the in-between part is much easier. Can't I come with you next time? Sirius was looking straight at him with his deep-set, light blue eyes. Remus opened his mouth to speak, but no words came out. He wanted Sirius with him during the transformation. Of course he did. But this was his demon, and Sirius was busy with his own problems at the moment. Finally, he entered neutrally. No one but werewolves can be in that shelter overnight on the full moon. And you're away enough in any case. Harry'd rather you were here. As soon as Remus mentioned Harry's name, Sirius's eyes clouded over. Damn it, he muttered. Then he looked around, blinking, and asked, Where is everyone, anyway? It's awfully quiet around here. They're at the Snouts Fair with Ron. They said that they weren't going to stay late, just have a butterbeer or two, and then come home. I think that Harry's learned what he can handle from now on. He's going to stick to the softer stuff. Remus hoped that this comment would lighten up the conversation a bit, but Sirius mumbled, He's so much like his father. Lily could drink James under the table. You know, Mooney, if I could see both of them right now, I think I'd start a fight. What were they thinking, making me a godfather? Harry is obviously going through some sort of private hell right now, and I know no way to help him. Once again, Padfoot, you're doing what you can. Harry knows it and appreciates it. And whatever he's going through, really, he's going to have to learn how to deal with it himself in his own way. Hopefully the Quidditch will help him take his mind off deeper things for a while. Well, you can't expect him to heal all of his wounds overnight. When a person goes through traumas like he has, it can sometimes take years to sort out. Sometimes it never sorts out at all. You should know. Remus was afraid that perhaps he'd gone a bit too far this time. Sirius was staring at him intently, in a way that made him both happy and angry at the same time. Airy laughter could be heard coming through the garden, and Remus realized the sun had now set, and he lifted his wand to turn on a light. "'Do you enjoy sitting in the dark?' Ginny burst into the room from the garden, cheeks flushed and a smile on her face. Hermione followed, with Harry not long after. They looked as if they had consumed several butterbeers. When he saw Sirius, Harry stopped and said with a grin, "'Sirius, did you know that you're a celebrity?' Both men looked at Harry blankly, and Hermione pulled the morning's daily profit out from the pile in the corner of the kitchen. "'Didn't you see this, Remus?' she asked, placing the paper in front of him. "'Sirius is on the front page.' Remus looked down at the paper, and Sirius walked around the table to stand behind him. There was a black-and-white picture of Sirius glinting up at them. He was squinting towards the camera, but looked extremely handsome. Harry snatched the paper back from them and began to read, in a loud, exaggerated voice. "'Wrongfully accused wizard ensures fair trials for all. Eloise Midgen, staff reporter. Picture by Colin Creevy. The face in this picture bears no resemblance to the long-haired, sunken-eyed, convicted murderer who escaped from Azkaban five years ago. Sirius Black is a handsome man with clear, light blue eyes, roguish black hair, and when it shows itself, a boyish smile. Harry stopped reading and shot a glance at Sirius. Go on, then. Show us your boyish smile, old man. 
Sirius reached over to smack the back of his head, but Harry ducked. Remus looked on Harry in surprise, unaccustomed to seeing him in such good spirits. Of course, Harry's light-hearted tone was clearly the result of a butterbeer or two, but that wasn't the whole of it. Remus looked shrewdly from Harry, reading, to Ginny, who was watching them with very bright eyes as Harry continued. Everyone now knows that he bravely fought with the Order of the Phoenix during the recent war. When the war ended, Black looked forward to spending a quiet summer at the manor of his friend, Remus Lupin. You live in a manor, Remus, enthused Hermione teasingly. Did you know that? And caring for his famous godson, Harry Potter. That's me, all right, Harry took a deep breath and sighed dramatically. Remus had the impression that the three of them had already read the article several times aloud that day, and after a moment, Harry continued. But it was not to be. Early in the summer, Black was contacted by the Ministry of Magic to help find a way to control the Dementors, who were intent on performing their deadly kiss on every accused dark wizard in Azkaban. Since late June, Black, along with our Alastor Mad-Eye Moody, has been scouting the country looking for a location for a holding cell where prisoners will be kept away from the Dementors before standing trial. The new prison, Culparat, is suspected to be located in Wales, although the exact location remains a mystery to all but a select few. In London yesterday, Black told the Daily Prophet, I was never given a trial. The Dementors almost had me and I was innocent. I will do everything in my power to make sure that each and every wizard and witch at Culparet receives a true judgment. Black refused to comment on techniques that might be used to try to determine which wizards were or were not acting of their own accord during the war. It is a well-known fact that Veritaserum is not entirely reliable in determining whether or not an act was performed while under the Imperious Curse. By this point, Harry's voice had grown quite sober, as had Sirius's face. Remus looked from one to the other of them, wishing there were some way to ease the tension of these issues, and knowing that there wasn't. He was about to interrupt an attempted change of subject when Ginny snatched the paper from Harry. Don't stop there, she protested, nudging him slightly. You're just getting to the good part. And, oh, you might want to grab a tissue, Sirius. This gets to be touching. She grinned and cleared her throat. Arthur Weasley, Minister of Magic, will also not yet disclose methods that will be attempted to keep the Dementors at bay. His only comment was, Our goal is to develop a humane way to keep prisoners in Azkaban without using Dementors at all. We're working on it. Meanwhile, Sirius Black soldiers on, and the families of those imprisoned may rest easy, knowing that their loved ones will be tried in a just and moral manner. When asked if, now that the war was over, he planned on starting any sort of family on his own, Black looked suddenly bashful and told us, I don't have time for that right now, but I suppose there's always a possibility. That's the joy of freedom. Ginny stopped reading, her hand over her heart. Harry watched her with a smile playing on his lips, while Hermione gave an exaggerated sigh. Sirius looked at the ground, apparently embarrassed, and Remus couldn't help grinning. It was high time that a little of Padfoot's teasing nature came back on him, and before anyone could say anything else, three owls swooped into the kitchen and dropped letters onto Sirius's lap. He looked up, startled. I bet I know what those are, said Harry, obviously relishing witnessing someone else in the spotlight. Fan mail. 
Sirius blinked. You're kidding. Harry only shrugged, but Remus knew that where fan mail was concerned, Harry had had enough experience to tell. He eyed the letters with no little curiosity as Sirius handed one roll of parchment each to Harry, Hermione, and Ginny. Go on, then, he said with a careless sigh. Tell me what they say. Harry opened the first one. It was very short. Dear Mr. Black, I like a wizard with principles. If you are ever in Brighton, you are welcome to visit. Lydia Wickham. Harry grinned. Now you've got a girlfriend at the seaside. Hermione opened the next letter. This one was a bit longer. Dear Sirius, I don't know if you remember me or not. I was in Hufflepuff at Hogwarts at the same time that you were there in Gryffindor. I was happy to hear about your project in the Daily Prophet this morning. It seems like you certainly have your hands full. I'm also very concerned for poor young Mr. Potter. She doesn't even know me, interjected Harry. It's good of you to watch over him, but there's nothing like a mother's influence. Only a woman can really provide that kind of nurturing. I would be willing to help. Sincerest regards, Marcia Watkins. Sirius caught Remus's eye and they both erupted into laughter. She's still got a crush on you, Padfoot. Harry, Hermione, and Ginny exchanged puzzled glances. Finally, Remus calmed down enough to explain. She used to follow us around all the time. Once she tried to put a love charm on Sirius in the hallway. Several times, but it failed miserably. Didn't work at all. We couldn't understand why she kept running up ahead of us and throwing herself in front of Sirius. Poor girl. Remus shook his head. Marcia hadn't been the only girl to make a fool out of herself in front of Sirius. He seemed to attract them like flies, and had developed quite a reputation during his final years at Hogwarts. Even Remus was unsure how much of it was true. He frowned slightly. Women certainly hadn't been running to Sirius since his escape from Azkaban. There was no denying, however, that publicity like this article in the Daily Prophet was bound to bring more and more fan mail Sirius's way especially if they kept publishing pictures like that one. Remus glanced toward Sirius in order to see how his friend was dealing with his newfound stardom, but Sirius's face was unreadable. Ginny ripped open the seal on the third piece of parchment. Sirius, we started something all those years ago. I would love to continue where we left off. Do you still have that motorcycle? Gina. Remus opened his mouth in shock and turned to Sirius, who was smirking. Finally, he managed Gina Borco, the Slytherin? Sirius, tell me that you never... He stopped when he noticed that Harry, Hermione, and Ginny were staring at him with great interest. Remus felt suddenly very tired. His own first and only girlfriend had been a Slytherin at Hogwarts. He had found out that Severus Snape had insinuated to her that Remus was a werewolf. She'd come on to him only because of the thrill of dating a dark creature. Sirius had been furious when he'd found out and had cast a memory charm on her, causing one of the largest arguments ever between the two friends. And to think that Sirius had then gone out on a date with a Slytherin girl himself? Remus flinched unconsciously and stepped back towards the door. Sirius looked up and studied Remus's face for a moment as if he knew exactly what was happening in his head. Which, Remus thought dryly, he probably does. I went on one date with Gina Borco said Sirius evenly after a moment, and nothing happened. Not that she didn't try, but in the end, I couldn't get past the fact that she was a Slytherin. She wasn't evil, though. Just, just... 
Sirius looked like he was searching for a word, but couldn't find one. Finally, he decided on promiscuous. Ginny and Hermione stifled giggles, and Sirius grinned at them and then winked at Harry. Remus didn't feel like laughing. With more effort than he wanted to spend, he gave everyone a weak smile, said goodnight, and headed slowly up the stairs to his room.